تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ These are the limits set by Allah. This rule that Allah is giving you with regards to talaq, with regards to khula, these are the hudud, the commands that who has given? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given. Allah says, فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا So do not transgress it. Do not transgress these limits. تَعْتَدُوا is from عَيْنْ دَلْوَاو عُدْوَان To cross the limits. It's also enmity because in enmity people transgress. So فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا These boundaries, these limits that Allah has set, do not violate them. Do not transgress them. What are hudud? I told you they are the shara'ir, the commands that Allah has given. And hudud is also used for prohibitions, those things that Allah has prohibited. So it includes two things. Hudud includes two things. What? First of all, the commands, the do's. And secondly, the prohibitions, the don'ts. If it is said, فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا Do not transgress them. Then it means do not disobey the commands that Allah has given. Then what does it mean? Do not disobey the commands that Allah has given. But if it says, فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا Do not approach them, then what does it mean? The prohibitions, don't commit them. What did I just say? Who can repeat it? Who can repeat it? What I explained concerning hudud. Good, mashallah. Barakallahu fiki. That if it says with regards to the hudud, that فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا Then it means the hudud are the commands that Allah has given. That do not disobey them, rather fulfill them, obey them, observe them, follow them. And if it says فَلَا تَقْرَبُوهَا Then what does it mean? These prohibitions, don't commit them. You know, just like a private property. Okay, does it have a boundary wall? Does it have a boundary wall? Yes. Those who are outside are not allowed to go inside. So what does it say? No trespassing. Don't even approach this boundary wall. Stay away from here. So it's like prohibitions, stay away from them. Okay? And then there are some other places where you are supposed to be confined within a certain area. So for example, in this classroom, if you want to attend the class, you have to be in the classroom. You can't be sitting in the washrooms, you can't be sitting in the cafeteria, you can't be sitting in the hallways. Where do you have to be? Where do you have to be? Within the bounds of the classroom. So do not transgress the bounds, meaning don't go outside of them, don't disobey the rules. Okay? So over here Allah says, تِلْكَ حُدُودُ اللَّهِ فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا these are the commands of Allah. Don't transgress them, meaning observe the commands that Allah has given to you. But if you want to observe the commands that Allah has given to you, then what does it mean? You have to use your mind, right? You cannot just follow your desires and your emotions. But at the time of divorce, what happens typically? What do people follow, the heart or the mind? They follow the heart. But Allah tells us, use your brain. فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا Be conscious. Because the decision of divorce is a very, very serious one. It should not be an emotional one, but rather it should be one that is deliberate, that is conscious, that 
a person is his mind and heart are into it, he deliberately makes that decision. So فَلَا تَعْتَدُوهَا وَمَنْ يَتَعَدَّ حُدُودَ اللَّهِ And whoever transgresses the limits that Allah has said, whoever disregards the command that Allah has given, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ Then those people are who? They are ظَالِمُونَ Plural of ظَالِم They are unjust. They are actually unjust. Who are they unjust towards? They are committing injustice towards who? Themselves. They're committing injustice against themselves. When a person harms another, who is he harming? He's actually harming himself because he is presenting himself to Allah for punishment. When a person harms another, it's as though he's saying, Oh Allah, punish me. This is what he's saying. So Allah says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ Then such people are ظَالِمُ and with regards to zulm, the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ibadi, inni haramtu zulma ala nafsi. O my servants, indeed I have forbidden injustice upon myself. That Allah does not do zulm. So what does it mean? We also don't do zulm. وَجَعَلْتُهُ بَيْنَكُمْ مُحَرَّمًا فَلَا تَظَالَمُوا And I have made you haram for you as well, so don't do zulm on one another. When do people do zulm on each other? When do they commit injustice against one another? When? When they're fighting? When they have differences? When they're selfish? Right? Yes? To get revenge? Yes? Out of arrogance? Out of anger? Out of jealousy? Out of pride? Right? There are many reasons behind why people commit injustice. Who do people commit injustice towards typically? Obviously others, but who are those others? Saida? Sometimes the people who are closest to you. Because when it comes to strangers, when it comes to people whom you don't know, then we have been taught in schools that you have to be courteous, you have to be nice, uh, you have to be polite, Right? If somebody's coming, you open the door for them. But at home, if your brother's coming, you hit the door on his face and it doesn't matter. Right? Outside, if you're at a restaurant and, and the person who is actually being paid to serve you food, if they bring your food to your table, you say, oh, thank you so much. Could you please get me this as well? But at home, where your mother or your older sibling, if they get food for you, you say, why is it like this and why not like that? Right? We think that it's okay to be unfair, to be rude, to be harsh towards those who are closest to us. So we see that the closer a person is to us, the more chances there are of committing injustice towards them. But at the same time, there are also more chances to do ihsan towards them. You can either do ihsan or you can do zulm. It's up to you. Right? So the relationship of the husband and the wife They live together, very close to one another. They have duties, they have obligations, they have rights. Can they do zulm on one another? Very easily. Very easily. How does the woman do zulm on her husband? Let's talk about ourselves first. Yes. Okay, not fulfilling his right, his needs. And this is something very major that many women don't give much importance to. They're like, yeah, so what? What's the big deal? And they ignore his desires or his right 
to have intimate relations and they think it's not a big deal. It is a very big deal. Do you realize the place and the time that you're living in? The kind of fitna that is out there these days? I remember there was a discussion that some women were having about sexual relations after having children. Because after having children, especially when children are younger, many women, they are more focused on their children and they tend to ignore their husbands a lot. So one of the men, he said in that discussion, that if you want to protect your husband, then you better give importance to him as well. And you better take care of his needs as well. And these are not Muslims, by the way. He was saying that if you want your husband to turn towards incorrect ways of fulfilling his desires, then go ahead, ignore him. If you want him to what we call haram, what we call forbidden, then go ahead. If you want him to indulge in pornography and having friends outside of marriage, then go ahead, ignore his rights, ignore his needs and desires. Many women don't even understand how men are, what their desires are, what their needs are. And they get married thinking, oh, it's okay, not a big deal. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. So not fulfilling the right of the husband, this is actually zulm. This is actually zulm. And a woman will be answerable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for that. What else is zulm against the husband on the part of the wife? Yes, being ungrateful. But the poor guy is working all day long and he comes home and the woman, angry and frustrated, where were you all day? And we have to do this and we have to go there and you don't even do this and you don't even call that person. He comes home after a whole day of work only to see his wife upset and angry. What else is zulm? Yes. Wasting his money. Doing khiyana. He earned money. He brought it home, gave it to you. You go for groceries, you buy all that food and you waste it. You buy all those clothes and you never wear them. You waste his money. This is not fair. Yes. Backbiting him. Talking bad about him when he's not there. With who? With your friends, with your siblings, with your cousins, with your co-workers. This is not right. This is injustice. Your husband is actually a muhsin. Yes, he's not perfect, but after all, he's done a lot of good towards you. And if you start talking bad about him, this is not fair. So, zulm is not allowed. On the other hand, how does the husband does zulm on his wife? When he does not? financially support her, when he does not take care of her needs, when he disregards her feelings, her preferences, right? That he doesn't care if she has an exam the next day. He doesn't care if, you know, his family is treating her in a bad way, disregarding her completely. This is something that is lun. Now one more thing that we must all remember. Supporting zulm is also zulm. Supporting zulm is also zulm. That if, for example, your brother is being unjust towards his wife, and you as a sister can see that, what is your obligation? That you stop him, you speak to him, you make him understand. Or if you see that your mother is being unfair towards your sister-in-law, what is your obligation? That you defend your sister-in-law, you explain to your mother. 
If you see injustice happening within your own house, it is your obligation to stand up. It is your obligation to stand up. Many times it happens that there's the daughter-in-law, she may be expecting, she may be having young children, but still it is expected of her that she will do the dishes while the sister-in-law sits in front of the television and flips all the channels away. That is ghun. It is injustice. Likewise, it is expected that the daughter-in-law, she is going to cook, she is going to clean, while nobody else will help her. Why is it expected of her? Is she not a human being? Would you do that to your own daughter? Would you like that to happen to your own self? Never. So don't treat another the way you don't want to be treated. If the husband does not give any importance to the wife's family, does not even respect them, that is also injustice. Okay? Both are obligated to have respect for the families of their spouses. Okay? And if they're unfair, that would be zulm. If you see your parents doing zulm upon one another, then what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? You are supposed to talk to them. You are supposed to stand up, especially if you've become adults. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given you knowledge of the deen, some understanding, you can see what's happening in the house, then it is your obligation to stand up. So for example, if you see that your father is being treated with unfairness, that your mother is always yelling at him, your mother is always demanding from him, or that your mother is being abused by your father, then you have to stand up. You have to take care of your mother, you have to take care of your father, you have to support the one who is being abused, who is being treated with unfairness, with injustice. Okay? And many times it happens that a girl, if she's having problems with her husband, they could be not that such major problems, but if she's having problems, she talks to her family. And her family supports her like anything. And because of that, the marriage could literally break apart. And because that girl has the support of her father, of her brother, she demands whatever she wants to from the husband, she says whatever she wants to to the husband, this is also zulm. You're not helping that marriage, you're actually ruining that marriage, you're actually destroying that marriage more. It happens many times that a husband and wife, they have problems. And you know what? Friends even have fights. The best, best friends also have fights. You know, best friends forever also have fights and arguments. So the husband and wife, it's only inevitable that they will have fights. And you're angry one moment, the next moment, it's okay. One day you're upset, and the next day, you're fine. One week you're upset, but the next week, it's okay. You get over it. Correct? But if you get your family involved in it, it's going to create more problems for you. And I've seen this. Many people, they're good people, a very happy couple, and all of a sudden you're surprised what's happening to them. What's happening? Their families are now involved. The girl's father is saying, you get a house of your own, and you do this and this and this, and only then I will send my daughter back. And the husband, his family saying, change your doorstep, change your doorstep, change your doorstep. You know what that means? Inshallah, you'll learn about that. Those of you who know, know, and those of you who don't, it's a long story. It's about Ibrahim and Ismail.
Okay? When Ibrahim figuratively sent a message to his son Ismail that divorce your wife, but he didn't want to say directly, so he said, change your doorstep. Meaning, because doorstep, you know, the first thing that you see when you come to somebody's house. So your wife, not a good person, divorce her. So that's what the family of the boy is saying. Change your doorstep again and again. And you feel, oh, my father, if he knows the story, or my mother knows the story, they're religious, they're pious, they know what they're talking about. So okay, divorce. So solve your problems yourself. Solve your problems yourself. Many of you are young over here. And this is the one advice that I can give you from now whenever you get married. Please, solve your problems yourself with your husband. Whatever is a private matter between the two of you, it should not go outside of your room even. It should stay as a secret between the two of you. And have that confidence to talk to one another. Don't shy away. Discuss matters openly. Don't keep grudges in the heart and then eventually break apart after like three, four months and get everything out and then be at the verge of breaking up. No, this is not correct. Discuss, solve problems yourself. And only if the matter becomes extremely serious, then involve other people. Otherwise, there is no need to create a scene in front of others and to make matters worse for yourself and for others. So in this ayah, we see many things. First of all, we see the permissibility of breaking a marriage where and when there is a need to do so. How is that going to happen? The man, he can give the divorce and the woman, she can take the... She can take the... Khular. But this divorce, this khular should not be used as blackmail. Okay? That the husband says, you know, I could give you a divorce, you know. You better do this. Or he's upset and, and he mentions indirectly, he talks about divorce indirectly. There's no need to do that again and again. This is something serious and it should not be used to just hurt other people's feelings. Likewise, the woman should also refrain from such sayings. Like some women, they're crazy. They keep saying to their husbands, divorce me, divorce me, divorce me. Why do you want trouble for yourself? Another important thing that we learn from this verse is that divorce, it is only valid when it's pronounced once at one occasion. Okay, Meaning if divorce is pronounced more than one time at one occasion, okay, that means that divorce is only once. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, الطَّلَاقُ مَرَّتَانِ مَرَّةً بَعْدَ مَرَّةً Meaning one occasion, divorce. And then another occasion, divorce. So if a man, he's very angry at his wife, and he says, divorce, 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 divorce. And he doesn't stop the tasbih of saying, طَلَاق, طَلَاق, طَلَاق. Okay? He goes on and on and on. So, is that a thousand divorces? Is that a million divorces? Is that three divorces? Is that two divorces? How many divorces is it? One. Because it is one occasion. Because Allah says, الطَّلَاقُ marratan, Two different instances. Two different occasions. Because it's very common amongst people that they will say, طَلَاق, طَلَاق, طَلَاق. Three times. Or they will write, طلاق, طلاق, طلاق. I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you. And they think that, خلاص, it's done. No, it's not done. It's only one divorce. Yes? In terms of sending papers, giving divorce in writing, even if you send 
three documents at one occasion, it will be considered one divorce because it's one occasion. And if that instance repeats, then it will be the second divorce. Okay? There are two opinions concerning this. Some scholars have said that if a person gives divorce multiple times at one occasion, that it will be considered only one divorce, regardless of how many times he pronounces the divorce. It will be considered how many divorces? One. Because Allah says in the Qur'an, الطَّلَاقُ مَرَّتَانِ And the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, in which we learned that once a man, he divorced his wife three times at once. Okay, So when the Prophet ﷺ, he found out about that, he stood up in anger and he said, is the book of Allah played with while I'm amongst you? Then what are you doing? You're playing with the book of Allah and I'm amongst you? This is something that's not permissible. So if it was valid, the Prophet ﷺ would not have become angry. You understand? He would not have become angry if that was a valid way of giving divorce. But we see that this started happening quite frequently. That people would get upset and they would say, talaq, talaq, talaq. Okay? And it became very, very frequent. And it's very difficult for a woman to hear such words again and again. You know, one bullet after the other. It's like three bullets in a row, three arrows in a row. It's very hard. Even though it's considered one divorce, but still it's very hard. So Umar anhu, when he was a Khalifa, he wanted to set some consequences for saying this. So what did he do? He said that people are being hasty with regard to a matter in which they should not rush. Let us count it as three and judge between people accordingly. So he said, he made the rule when he was a Khalifa, that if you give divorce three times at one occasion, it will be considered as three divorces. But he was a Khalifa, so he made this as the law of that time. Okay? But it doesn't mean that this became the law of Islam. Do you understand? It became the law of that time, but not the law of Islam. So this is the reason why the stronger opinion is that if a person pronounces divorce more than one time at an occasion, it will still be considered only one divorce. Another thing that we learn from this ayah is that الطَّلَاقُ مَرَّتَانِ Two different occasions. So this means that talaq cannot be given to a woman when she is in her idda. So for example, the man says talaq, and now she's in her idda. Three menstrual cycles, right? She has to wait for it, like we learned yesterday. So she's in her idda. After her second period, they had a fight, and the husband says talaq. So now does it mean that this is her second divorce and now she has to start her idda again, three months? No. It doesn't carry any importance. But it is a word of zulm, of injustice on the part of the husband. So he will be answerable to Allah because of that. He will be sinful because of what he said. But that talaq will not take any effect. Because Allah says marratan, there are two different occasions. And a talaq is followed by idda. Is it clear? Yes. Exactly. During the idda, the woman is still in the house of the man. Okay. So at that time, the man cannot give divorce. Another important thing that we learn in this verse is, with regards to the khula, the khula, that when a woman takes khula, then her idda is one month. It's not three menstrual cycles. 
When it comes to talaq al-raj'i, when it comes to talaq al-raj'i, the revocable divorce, the twice, the two chances, okay? The idda for that is three menstrual cycles. And where is that idda spent? It is spent in the house of the husband. Okay? Where is that idda spent? In the house of the husband. Okay? Why? Because the husband still has the chance to take her back. After a month, because he's seeing her, she's still in the house, she's still cooking, and she's encouraged in fact to adorn herself, to be extra good, so that the husband is more inclined towards her, so that the relationship can continue. Okay? So if after some time the husband says, I regret what I said, and he wants to fix things, then he can reconcile, but that will be done by re-establishing sexual relations. Once that is done, then the idda is over, and they continue with their happy life. But if that three months are over, the three menstrual cycles are over, and the man did not do rujur, then the divorce is complete, and the woman goes back to wherever, to her family, to wherever. But if let's say after some time, the husband says it was a mistake, Inshallah, we will learn about that later as well. And he wants to get back with her. Then what do they have to do? Nikah. Okay? They have to get married again. But how many times can they do this? Only twice. Okay? The third divorce, the ba'in divorce, where will the woman spend their idda? Not in the house of the husband. Because there is no rujur after that. She will go away from there. And she will spend their idda elsewhere. Okay? But still their idda is how much? Three menstrual cycles. Why? To reveal the pregnancy. When it comes to khula, however, how much is the idda? One menstrual cycle. Why? Why? To reveal the pregnancy. But why not three months? Because there is no desire on the part of the husband or the wife who are now separated, who are now divorced to get back together. The woman was seeking the divorce. So there's no reason why they would get back together. And if they do want to get back together, then what has to happen afterwards? Nikah. Okay? Just like do any other people get married? They have to get married as well. Yes. Then she will take khula. Okay? So the case of the khula is what? How much is the idda? To repeat? One month. Where will that idda be spent? No, not in the house of the husband. It will be spent elsewhere because both are not mahram to each other anymore. When it comes to talaq al-raj'i, in the idda, both are still mahram. But if there's no rujur, no sexual relations between the two in that period of idda, then after that, khalas, finished. They're not mahram anymore. They go their own ways. So in other words, what is new for you over here is that talaq does not happen just like that. What do we think talaq is? Divorce, everything finished. Woman goes her way, the husband goes his way. Both never see each other again. This is not the way divorce happens in Islam. It happens in stages. There is a three month period in which the husband has time to think to re-evaluate. That do I mean what I said? Is it really what I want? Am I serious about this? And if he is, then he will not do rujur. But if he's not, then he will do rujur. Somebody raise their hand from here? Yes. Yeah, 
Yes. Because the woman is taking divorce. Okay? The man is okay. He doesn't mind abusing her. Okay? So he's very happy with that setting. Okay? But the woman, she's not happy. She's like, I can't stand this. I'm walking away. I don't want anything of his. And besides, I don't think she's going to want to have anything that he gave her anyway. She's walking away from that marriage. You know, there was a, an article once on BBC. They did survey of what people did with their wedding rings when they got divorced. And what did people do? Some threw them in lakes, some in oceans, some buried them, some just threw them in the garbage, some just, you know, discarded them. I mean, there are things of value, maybe made of platinum or silver or gold with diamonds in them, but people got rid of them. Why? Because someone whom you were married to before, what they gave you or what you gave them, you don't want to look at it again. Because every time you look at it, it reminds you of your past. So it's actually good for a woman to give back what the man gave her. Yes. Yeah, like for example, if a person is living in Canada, okay, and if they go through divorce, then what do they have to do? They have to follow the Shari law as well as the local law. So for example, the Shari law, they have to wait the Idda process and everything, but legally also they should be declared as divorce. Okay? Recitation? الطلاق مرتان فإمساكم بمعروف أو تسريح بإحسان ولا يحل لكم أن تأخذوا مما آتيتموهن شيئا إلا إلا أن يخافا